In the name of the one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. For most of my adult life, I've worked in Christian ministry contexts. I've worked for parachurch organizations, churches, Christian higher education institutions. And during some interview processes, I have noticed that somehow secular partisanship has become a much more significant part of the discussion when it comes to Christian organizations. I remember applying for a job at a school and receiving a questionnaire that asked me questions regarding my views on the U.S. Constitution, concepts like judicial activism, a citizen's allegiance to the United States of America. And as an applicant for the Bible faculty of this university, I was surprised that I was asked so many questions about political views and partisanship, but so little about the Bible. During my interview, I just had to stop and ask if I had mistakenly applied for a job in the political science department. They reassured me that I had not. In another interview process at a different organization, I was asked, when it comes to political conservatism and progressivism, where do you see yourself? I was slightly surprised that a Christian institution would so blatantly ask this question, given legal implications of that. But I answered by saying, biblical. On the spectrum of political conservatism and progressivism, I see myself as biblical. I went on to inform them that I was happy to let them know that as a follower of Jesus, I did not fit into their secularist partisan boxes. As a disciple of Jesus, I told them I have grown accustomed to living as a marginalized minority who would rather hold to a biblically consistent ethic then attempt to find acceptance in the world by holding to a moral or ethical position that in any way opposes the gospel of King Jesus. By the way, they offered me the job. As I like to say, the kingdom of God is political, but it is not partisan. No matter whether you are on the left or the right, in the middle, at the top, or at the bottom, the Word of God will challenge you and any worldly systems that you embrace. When that happens, will you choose to remain in the one who called you, or will you walk away? God is calling you into a right and wholesome relationship with Him and with others in the community of faith. He's calling you to maintain a biblical worldview, not just a Christian worldview. Some of you might have heard me tell this story once, but I remember explaining to a group of students when I was teaching in a class that I did not hold to a Christian worldview, and they all looked at me in great shock. And one student finally said, but aren't you a Christian? And I said, yes, I am. I'm a Christian. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I said, and here's the key issue. The difference between 
a biblical worldview and a Christian worldview is really rooted and grounded and based upon the foundation upon which you live. The biblical worldview is rooted in and grounded upon God and his word. The embrace of the biblical worldview means that judgment indeed begins at the house of God. It means that God holds us accountable for that which we have done as well as those things which we have not done. It means that Jesus will challenge you, even as he did in the gospel reading today. It also means that you will submit to his rule and to his authority, consistently saying, yes, Lord. Before I became a military chaplain, I remember I was out on the West Coast on a trip, and they were giving us this brief about basically what I called a floating island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And as I'm hearing about this and all these people who are on board this ship, I am asking in my head, and I'm saying, Lord, who is ministering to all of these people? And the next words that ran through my head were, no, Lord. And then I thought, wait a minute. No, Lord, that's an oxymoron, you moron. Yes, I called myself a moron in my head as I'm having this discussion. And I said, wait, you can't say no, Lord. The only appropriate answer to the one you call Lord is yes. I was still reluctant and I said, I pray about it. Needless to say, well, since I told the one that I was going to be praying to that I'd pray about it, he won. But what we have to do is recognize that in all things, even when we don't like it or care for it, we must submit to the rule and authority of God Almighty. That is the biblical worldview. And you might say, but the Christian worldview does the same thing, right? I want to tell you, it doesn't quite do that, especially the United States Christian worldview. I would dare say that it takes the cross of Christ and it shrouds it in the country's flag. It takes the Constitution and raises it to the level and authority of Scripture. It takes the systems of this world and attempts to slap the prayer of God, bless this mess upon it, and say that God approves of that which takes place. When speaking to the people of Israel, Joshua says, now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods of your fathers, which they served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. This passage provides a picture that today's church must consider. These people knew of God's deliverance. They knew that the Lord had delivered their ancestors from the bondage of Egypt. They knew of the crossing of the Red Sea. They knew of God's presence at Mount Sinai. They knew of the manna. They knew of the quail. Some of these people likely experienced the crossing of the Jordan. And in the midst of all of that, of hearing of testimony of God's might and power, of witnessing God's hand operating on their behalf, this text reveals to us that they had not put away the gods of their fathers. Now, I'm sure some of you might be thinking, but Father Dan, I've been in the church my entire life. That's great. These people have been a part of Israel their entire lives. 
but their cultural baggage was interfering with their devotion to God. This is why they received the command to serve God in sincerity and in faithfulness. The people needed to offer sincere worship because they were not fully committed to the Lord. They were torn between the Lord God who demanded total devotion and these other gods who didn't really ask too much of them. They were called to faithfulness as a demand of reciprocity toward God for his faithfulness to them. A picture of this appears in Exodus 34, where the text declares, The Lord passed before Moses and declared, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. God has shown himself faithful, and he calls you, his people, to faithfulness. So the real question that you must consider is what gods are you serving? Are you serving national ideals? Are you serving the concept of freedom? Are you serving our country's historical personification of Columbia and our, our concept of progress and expansion? Are you serving our way of life as a God? What about the unholy trinity of power, prestige, and privilege? Are you serving some other God, maybe the God of money? While you may say that your idolatry is nothing major because it's just a little sin. I mean, you know, we're not serving Molech. We're not sacrificing babies. We're not worshiping Baal or Asherah. Let me remind you that your failure to uphold any commandment is ultimately a failure to keep the first. And that is this. You are to have no gods except the Lord God. This text lets us know that you have a responsibility to choose whether you will serve God with your whole heart or if you will do as the people of Israel did and serve the gods of your culture while simply calling upon the Lord as your deliverer when you feel like you need him. This connects with the contemporary idea of accepting Jesus as Savior but not as Lord. It is loving Jesus the merciful while exhibiting disdain for Jesus the just, at least when it comes to where you are in receipt of his mercy or his justice. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you that you cannot glorify the Jesus you like while you crucify and attempt to leave in the grave the Jesus you don't like because that Jesus got up too. Joshua said, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The challenge of scripture has been issued. How will you respond? 
In Joshua's day, the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. I want to let you in on a little secret about this text. The people said that they would serve the Lord, not necessarily for the same reasons that Joshua has mentioned earlier in the text. Just above where our reading began, Joshua mentions the Lord defeating their enemies. But the people speak of serving the Lord because of his provision and the great signs and wonders he did for them in the wilderness and for bringing them into a land. God's defeat of the enemies of Israel was for his namesake. That's what the book of Joshua says. But these individuals seem concerned with the signs and wonders and provision of land that God has given them. And this is what boggles my mind. If they are so concerned about worshiping the Lord because of what he has done for them and the things that he has given them, why are they looking to substitutes who have done nothing for them and can do nothing for them? This should also lead you to consider why and what you worship. You must be careful in your worship because God is a holy God. He is a jealous God, Joshua says. And when your prophets and priests become pundits and politicians, instead of those who preach and proclaim Holy Scripture, you must consider God's jealousy. When your worldview is shaped by Fox, CNN, Breitbart, and the Huffington Post, you are in danger of embracing a Christian worldview, remember, where you take the cross of Christ and you shroud it in whatever views you have in order to say, I've still got this, God bless this mess. And what you end up doing is you bring along your cultural baggage instead of allowing for Scripture to speak and determine everything else in your life. You might think that you are better than you are and that you can handle it. I want to urge you to beware. Verse 21 of our Old Testament lesson notes that the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. And then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. And you know what? They failed. In the time of the judges, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And people no longer followed the Lord. In our gospel lesson, Jesus' challenge to his followers offended them, and they acted the same as those who had previously sought to kill Jesus. They grumbled about what Jesus said, and many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. It was at that point Jesus turned to the twelve and asked where they stood with him. They had to make a choice regarding who they were going to serve and who they were going to follow. 
And unlike the ancient people of Israel during the time of Joshua, Peter realized that there was no one else to whom to turn. And he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. In light of the declaration and understanding that you have no one else to turn to and nowhere else to go, I urge you as Joshua did the people of Israel, put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. Amen.